deemed it so and did the work to make it happen. Who will write your story? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) This is show your work. Good. Come on. I needed to be your student. I I I got it. I love you. (laughs) I thought it was great. Yes. Maybe you can use that as the teaser. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lainey. I am the founder and editor of LaineyGossip.com. I am a talk show host in Canada and also an entertainment reporter, and I am trying to write my way out. Hi, I'm Duana Taha. I am a television writer and producer. And though one of my favorite lyrics is now not available because of certain evil politicians, I (laughs) will both always and never be satisfied. So in case you didn't get those hints, today we are focusing on Hamilton, but more on the behind the scenes achievement of the ensemble ahead of the show's premiere on Disney Plus this weekend. These days, David Diggs, Leslie Odom Jr., Renee Elise Goldsberry, and many of the other original cast are household names, but what you may not know is that it's because they deemed it so and did the work to make it happen. Who will write your story? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) This is Show Your Work. Weirdly enough, I am also getting a phone call. That's weird. Um, Stand by. Hello? Let's call. Let's record this. This is an attempt to inform you that there is a legal case being filed under your name and an arrest warrant is being issued under your name as well. Oh this man, is the final this is my favorite. Connected to you, so press one and get connected okay. to a federal officer. Duanna, let's press now. one. Okay. All right. Hi, I uh, just received an automated message that an arrest warrant has been issued for me. Can I have your name? Don't you know my name if you're calling me? No, I'm not calling you. Your call has been connected to my department. Oh, no, it's my uh, my it's cell phone. Sorry? Okay. Just I'm going to verify your name and your cell information so that I can grab your phone. Then I can explain to each and everything for the right person, right? Why don't you just okay. explain what's happening? Why don't you just explain what's happening to me? Because I don't understand why I received a phone call about an arrest warrant about me. I'm very concerned. Because today the reason of the call was to notify you that there are some legal enforcement action which you follow on your social insurance number and your identity. 
and that is the only reason we try to reach you before you face an illegal trouble. Okay. I don't think that I uh, have any reason to be worried about an arrest warrant issued against me, but it they hung up. So clearly they know that uh, I'm not one of the easy targets, but this happens all the time. I mean, it was it was a good try, but yeah, the, they need some work on their character uh, development on the other end, I think. They got to be able to hang on for a little longer. <laughs> I love that you're still <laughs> always relating this back to work. Well, no, but I, I mean, I've seen our friend, uh, I've seen uh, a friend of ours go 20 minutes with one of these calls and uh, uh, in fairness. Really? Yeah. And that person oh, on the other end of that ripped phone. off now. A little bit. The person on the other end of that phone, like, kept it up a little more. Like, yeah, you should be worried. Uh, where... <laughs> Clearly, this dude, like it's at the time of recording, it's 530 uh, Eastern time in the afternoon. He was like, this is not worth it. It's the end of my day. I'll scam another day. (laughs) I'm so mad that someone's gone 20 minutes. Anyway, it makes me so happy to, I always take those calls now because the thing is, the more time you take from them, the less time they have to scam somebody else. Do you remember what it said on the uh, like on the identical when it came up? No, the vast. Oh, like you mean? Yeah, like you mean like the area code or something? Yeah, it said that it's from local. I mean, that's what it not- just popped up as local. Like it said here, it's uh. Uh, from Ontario, Dysart and others. What does that mean? I have no idea. Most of mine, yeah. most of my spam calls come up with the prefix, the first three numbers of my phone number. Like I'll get a, I'll get a call from same three numbers, like same first three yeah. and then blah, blah, whatever. But whatever that version of the scam is that they're just going to call based on your own phone number. Although, although mm-hmm. I have to tell you um, that uh, over the weekend, I, uh, I thought I was getting them, you know, when the geography report comes up. And so I'm getting yeah. this call from this random number from London, Ontario. I'm like, London, Ontario. I don't know anybody from London decline. Um, and then it came up a minute later, London, Ontario. I'm like, no, go away. Uh, anyway, 10 minutes later, it came up again from London, Ontario. So of course now I'm like, oh God, who do I know who is in a hospital in London and some like kind passerby is calling me? Um, none of the above. Uh, it was my wonderful, uh, runner delivery person, uh, the alcohol (laughs) delivery service that we use, um, (laughs) calling from a phone that of course they might've activated you know, in London or wherever, being like, they're out of what you wanted. Do you want something else? Uh, So sometimes I guess a random phone number is not actively a troll, but uh, but that's the exception that proves the rule. Man, that's full service that your runner delivery person was like, hey, they're out of what you wanted. What are the, you know, alternatives? Because I've, you know, had the experience where if they're out of what I wanted, I just don't get it. I think it depends on what it is. Like if it was super obscure, maybe there isn't a a substitute. But uh, but this was sort of a variant on the same product. You know, it was like the level up or the level down. Um, so anyway, 
uh, yeah, respect to that person who's just a hardworking London, Ontario, a uh, home kid, just getting the work done. Hey, so I have a story for you, and I know that it um, it may bring you some pain because I had this experience and you didn't. Uh huh. Um. I mean, I I <laughs> we're not twelve. I I've had my period. I wear a bra. <laughs> I've done the thing so- with a boy. <laughs> I had a shitty week last week, um, which, you know, uh, I think that people who visit their website probably know what was going on. I went viral. Um, but anyway, as shitty as my week was last week, I ended it on a very high note because uh, Etok assigned me to interview the cast, the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> There are some people, and not to discount your life or your experiences, I'm not trying to minimize, and yet there are some people who, if that happened, could not actually categorize their week as a shitty week because of that occurrence, you know? Right. So it certainly ended in a great way. And this was last Friday, which was June 26th. And uh, the junket started pretty late. Like I worked until 7 p.m. Not that I need you to pull out the violins for me, but obviously, I know I can see your face. You are just like open mouthed and rolling your eyes. However, (laughs) um, and I wanted to tell you about a a couple of things that happened on the junket. I mean, you're going to see the footage on eTalk, but the way that the, the, you know, we should explain to people that the way that the junket goes, and this was a large junket because it was, um, it was, you know, the entire cast, right? Right. And that, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to further spell out for the cheap seats. This is a Zoom junket. So even the most experienced people are only a couple months into doing these, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it was most of the cast, I mean, all the heavy hitters. And so because there are so many members of the cast, there were five rooms. And I say rooms with quotes. Like if you were doing the real junket, you would have gone into physical hotel rooms and sat down. But I was in Zoom rooms one after the other. And you know how it is, right? Like I know you do, and I know like you know how it is. But it's not it's not typical that you um go through the rooms and you like it's you end up getting to the the biggest star last. It's random. It's however Utterly the schedule works. random. You can get the person you need to warm up to at 9 a.m. with no warm-up. Yep. You can be waiting for five hours. Yes. That's right. As it turned out, my final room was Lin-Manuel Miranda. And Tommy Kale, or he had taken his leave by that point? He, by that point, had, had taken his leave. He's so got a baby I, at home. He's busy. Correct. So I had about seven minutes of one-on-one time with LMM. <laughs> I'm sorry, Duran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, who and, and you've called him before your Santa Claus, right? That's like, right. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of ours once said something about uh, me having a crush on him. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not it. I think he's an attractive man and everything, but that's not what this is. It's about uh, the bringer of magic. Yes. So, um, and, and I think we've talked about this before at junkets, a lot of times you're waiting. So you check in, they tell you to show up 
even when it's virtually. They tell you to show up half an hour before and then, you know, within 30 to 45 minutes, they call you to the first room that you're supposed to present yourself to. And after you're done with each room, you check in again with sort of um, headquarters, if you want, we call they call it hospitality, and they send you to the next room. So before you get into each room, whether it's virtual or actual, you wait outside. You either wait outside the door or you sit online and you wait for them to let you in. So in super practical terms, what does that mean? Do you have five Zoom rooms open or do you only get the code for room number two after you're finished number one? So... After you're finished each room, you go back to the hospitality Zoom room, and then you're in there with a whole bunch of people, and then they'll call out, okay, Lainey, we are sending you to Leslie Odom Jr. and Renee now. And so they'll say, check your email, and you'll check your email, and then they'll send you a link to the next Zoom room. And... You'll hit the link and you'll leave that hospitality Zoom room and you'll be put into a waiting room to to talk to Leslie and Renee. Make sense? It and makes, Jasmine. Yeah, That's, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, yeah, it's fascinating because you can't be added to the room too early lest you, I don't know, have abilities to record other outlets' conversations like – you know, but they can't be in charge of who they click on because inevitably they will hang up on somebody. It is one of a million things. Like, I think the one thing I will say is that people have made astounding leaps in how we have adapted to what has to happen um, in coronavirus. And like a junket is a bit of a logistical ballet anyhow. Um, so to see it all happen on zoom is pretty, pretty fascinating. You notice I'm steering the conversation away from your special <laughs> moments and special times. Well, I will continue anyway. Cause I, um, I like the, they may not matter to you, those other rooms, but they matter to me. Okay. Elaine, those people matter just as much to me. They, they have- matter to me, Duanna, but not as much as you. I hear you, but they did matter to me. They, and just, they have as much to do with the magic, capital T, capital M. Anyway, please continue your tale. Anyway, so I was, you know, it was getting late. So I think that the interviews were getting longer and I had a, a bit of a delay before being called into Lin-Manuel Miranda's room. And what happens is that when you have like a waiting room screen on the Zoom, it'll say you are waiting for Hamilton Junket number one room. Uh, Please be patient and we will let you in as soon as possible. It's just a white screen with that text on it. And then what happens is that when they let you in, that screen will disappear and you'll just be face-to-face with whoever you're talking to. Right. And then there's a person who says who's not on camera because they have taken their video off and they but they have audio still and they will come to you and they will say hi can you please slate your name and your outlet right slating your name and your outlet is just basically saying to camera my name is x i'm with this outlet and then you're just supposed to launch into your first question so and typically that's what they do right they remove the white screen and they say hi please slate and that is your cue okay mhm So, and then they communicate with you through chat when they count you down. Three minutes, two minutes, please wrap up. 
So as I'm waiting, I have the white screen in front of me, the you are being, you know, held and, you know, we apologize for the delay and you will let you in soon. I'm reading. I'm reading How my much did it resemble being in the waiting room to buy your Beyonce merch? Um, I don't know. I, it's not the same because I had no stress. Like I knew that I was going to get in there. Like with the Beyonce waiting room, no, you're like, your oh my God, are, are the size, that's, that's are incorrect. The size mediums done, uh, gone or whatever. Right. Okay? So I'm reading, I'm actually talking, like the screen I'm using is the screen I'm using to talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. And so I have my elbows on the table and I'm reading the book. I'm holding the book in front of my face. So if you come on the screen, the only thing you're going to see is two hands holding up a book. Right. You're not going to see my face. I mean, that, okay, go on. (laughs) So that was, I guess, how I appeared to Lin-Manuel Miranda. I kept reading, so I couldn't see that the screen had disappeared and he was sitting there. And the first indication that I had that, oh, he was there, he's ready for me, is snickering. So (laughs) I heard in my earphones that there was laughing. So I immediately was like, oh, and, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, and this is where I felt, feel like such a fucking idiot. I said to Lynn manuel Miranda, were you waiting long? <laughs> Which is, they don't ever have to wait for us. We wait for them. Right. For sure. And I mean, oh. Oh. look, I shouldn't be making you feel better because again, this is an experience I would have killed for, but I would suspect that he was there long enough that to snicker because the, or giggle, like I, a snicker to me sounds evil. So I, yeah, no, no, he was giggling or chuckling or whatever. Um, but what I'm getting at is that I think that he must've been there long enough that it wasn't a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like you, while we're podcasting, we're also FaceTiming and you did a visual demonstration for me of what it was you were doing. Um, And if I were him and I appeared in a room, I might have thought that was a a shtick, a motif, you know, that like, oh, I'll close this book and this will be our opening gambit. But clearly he must have seen you turn a page or something. To yeah. know that you were legitimately reading and not just posing. I was really into the book. And anyway, so I was like, I'm sorry, were you waiting long? And he was like, no, no, no. And then he said, which I will carry with me for life. He said, never apologize for being engrossed in a book. <laughs> Duanna, I want to cry. Just like... Well, <laughs> what I immediately think of, like, he's not particularly known for for uh, profanity, but I immediately think of that John Waters quote, right? If you go home with somebody and you don't see any books, don't fuck them. Like, I feel like that would be his MO, LMM, even if he wouldn't use that language. Uh, now, of course, though, now that you've made this story so public, the question becomes, are you going to plug the book? Like what was, what was important enough to not be waiting with bated breath for Lin-Manuel Miranda? 
Well, he plugged the book at the end because at the end when we wrapped up and I was like, bye, thanks so much. And he was like, enjoy big summer. So he clearly knew what book I was reading. He could see the cover and he, you know, wanted to sort of round out the interview that way in such a cute way. But the book is Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner. And I was mesmerized by one section of it. Um, Clearly, because I Clearly. forgot yeah. that, <laughs> that I was waiting for him. Anyway, the reason why I wanted to kick off the podcast with this story is because one of my questions for him, because I mean, I had a hundred questions for him as, you know, because I've been trained by you. But one of my questions for him is about was about work, because there are a hundred takeaways from Hamilton, a hundred different themes. Absolutely. And they are then reiterated. I'm not sure if you've watched Moana properly front to back, but there are a hundred themes in Hamilton that are actually repeated in Moana that are likely to be repeated in, in the Heights um, that are in the musical, but that I suspect will be reiterated in the, in the film. Um, yeah, it's kind of his MO. It is. And so I said to him, you know, I know that there are so many different themes from your masterpiece. Um, the one theme that has always resonated with me is about how the work will save you. And I told him, work has saved me this week. And last week I had a tough week and the work did save me. And so I asked him about whether or not the work has been saving him if he's been writing through it during COVID-19 and lockdown and the pandemic. And so you'll see the answer on eTalk. I don't want to get into it now, you know, um, i doing this to promote the show. <laughs> well, I will say this. My favorite line from the mixtape, and look, yes, this is utterly, we're just fangirling here. And if, if, I have no greater impact on this podcast and on uh, this media enterprise as a whole. It is that I have uh, I've created a situation in which we just fangirl over Hamilton. Um, but uh -huh. my favorite line on the Hamilton mixtape, which if you don't know, is like remixes and reimaginings of songs from the show, but also some that don't exist. Uh, and my favorite line is, I wrote my way out. Mm -hmm. Right? When the world turns mm -hmm. its back on you, you're up against the wall. Uh, I wrote my way out. And I have called on that one more often than I can count. Yeah. Uh, I'm a writer. But the idea being there's nothing you can do. Things can be shitty or not your fault or totally your fault or whatever. But the only thing you can do is do the thing you already do. Like do the typing that that changes your story. And I've always loved that. So what did he say? Well, I needed to, I needed that. And I, I told him that. And he said that he, um, you know, at initially there was a period of adjustment, you know, he has kids, right? You've got to deal with your kids and, and all the things that they're experiencing over the last three months. And then, yeah, he did talk about the work and he talked about how the work is coming to him. Um, in the sense that he he just has deadlines that he can't ignore anyway. Right. Um, that he has projects that are on the go that need his attention. Um, and he was very gracious about it. He wasn't – what I appreciated about his answer was he didn't 
he didn't go straight to the scene and just reenact it and say, "I'm yes, I'm writing my way out of COVID-19. Like that would have been so... No, but I, yeah, I buy that. You mean that he was like, he was able to be honest and be like, yeah, it's shit sometimes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, I I don't know that I could have envisioned a better interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm sorry, Duanna. Um, even though I was like busted reading a book while when, you know, he, the first thing that he saw of me were my fingers, my hands and like a book. But I, yeah, I couldn't wait to tell you the story. Listen, my time will come and it will be beautiful. <laughs> um, I, 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 some people fantasize about, you know, romantic situations. I fantasize about the time when I get, uh, seated next to him on a flight, like that day will come. <laughs> um, what will I call up on my phone that he will find interesting and notice and, and, uh, and speak to me about without me having to be like, hi, oh, you're familiar. It, it will happen. I love that that's your fantasy. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, but that is our segue to what we're talking about this week ahead of the Disney Plus premiere of Hamilton, um, which you wrote about this week. But there are so many Hamilton-related, work-related uh, things that we can discuss ahead, getting people primed for July 3rd. Hopefully, uh, everybody will be watching this weekend. If you have your Disney Plus subscription ready on the go and ready to hit play on Friday, um, but uh, you recommended um, a particular focus that hasn't had the airtime lately, Hamilton-related, about the production and the cast. Well, yeah. I First of all, the reason this is such a big deal, if you care about Hamilton or about musicals at all, is that what is airing on Disney Plus, which was originally shot to be like part of archival footage, basically, is the original Broadway cast in its entirety, uh, with one exception from the ensemble, Wikipedia tells me. Um, it was shot uh, within weeks of all their historic Tony wins. Uh, historic is, is it was a giant sweep. I think they're they're. Uh, out nominated or out won by one award. So that's a bit of hyperbole. Um, and just moments before a huge swath of the of the Broadway cast, the original Broadway cast left. Like a lot of shows have big, huge impacts. And there are obviously movies and and TV shows and things where the cast is considered to be part of the alchemy. But the reason this is so exciting is because for all the Hamilton tours going around or that were going around before COVID, uh, this is the opportunity for everybody to see the original cast who created these roles. Those are the people that you were interviewing in the junket, even though there are people ably doing the roles now. Um, and that the idea being that these guys as a unit created something that is more than the sum of its parts. Right. Both on stage and off. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, you have to think about the fact that Hamilton, again, we talk about it like, oh my God, this is the story, but it's not so unusual for a Broadway show. Um, they did months of off 
off-Broadway work uh, and previews at a place called the Public Theater uh, before they moved to Broadway to the Richard Rogers, but essentially workshopped and created these characters out of out of thin cloth, which is true for any Broadway show. But this show, more than many, is a real ensemble. It doesn't work without all these different key players and key roles. Um, I will never forget seeing it with you for the first time. And you were like, as if he let, spoiler, a woman have the last line in the show. Ah. And that's that's it. Like, you know, we have what happens is that we have we have so many pieces of entertainment where they're like, okay, okay, let's make, you know, a woman the major character. And then what happens is that we run into issues of agency. And what happens is that in Hamilton, spoiler, um, Eliza is the one who finishes the work. <laughs> and I, you know, Without getting too about us, we went to New York for a weekend. We went to see it together. You lost your wallet. Um, it was <laughs> it was a whole thing. It was a whole trip. But it was one of the most memorable things that we've done together. And we've done a lot of memorable shit together because afterwards we had the time to like walk around the city and as we do talk about like get really granular about all the things that they were able to accomplish and you know, I think we must have had a 30-block conversation about the fact that Eliza was the one who, you know, what happens to Hamilton happens, and then she is the keeper of the legend. She is the one who goes out. There's a little bit of Camelot in here. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, uh, Jackie Kennedy. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of that. Um, there's lots of, what does it mean? Yes. To carry a legacy you didn't necessarily ask for. Um, yeah. yeah. And you were so wrapped up in, in what you had just seen that you didn't even notice that we walked past Bernadette Peters on the street. Um, <laughs> that's how I know what kind of an experience it is and was. Yes. So, um, listen, we could give you a primer, like again, this could be a 10 episode primer on what you're about to see if you haven't seen it yet on Friday, on, on the day that it premieres on Disney+. Plus. However, related to all the things that we have been talking about over the course of the last couple of years, and especially over the last few weeks, um, what Hamilton did in addition to really representing, like actually representing is they found a model, or at least they they became one of the most famous examples of this model for how creators can benefit all together. Well, um, yeah, I, I think what you are referring to is the fact that this cast is also notable because like the Friends cast banded together to all be paid the same amount low these many years ago. Um, the original cast lobbied uh, to include profit sharing and financial protections for further uses of Hamilton and uh, like associated products, right? I'm not talking about getting a cut of the merch per se. I don't know the super specifics, but they are one of the few casts 
who will be counted in for uh for profits on this film on you know albums etc because they were so integral in creating these characters um and that's mm-hmm. not very usual um in like that's not usual in general you know that you've made it in tv and film when people start talking about points how many points mm-hmm. are you going to get i.e what is your profit going to be on the back end when this starts making money but generally speaking that's not given to performers and it's especially not given to performers who are an ensemble it might be given to one given to a star if you are a star who's also written the thing yeah you're gonna do great um but we're not talking about that we're talking about the rest of the cast of renee elise goldsberry and leslie odom jr and christopher jackson and david diggs and so forth are all included in the profit sharing of Hamilton. And that is unusual, to say the least. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And again, we're linking all of our previous work together. But the thing that pops up in my mind is what we have constantly come back to. And it's a phrase that you cite that... Um, someone we have worked with in the past had had dropped into you, and it's it doesn't cost me anything. You know, if you're Lin Manuel Miranda and you create this, and we all know the legends of him riding the train to Brooklyn and then leaving a dinner party because he wanted to like get some of his ideas down, and how it took six years to create this. For sure, he did lots of the writing. He read the book, he picked it up at an airport. But as you just said, when they were workshopping it at the public theater, everybody had their input. Everybody's DNA is embedded into this production. And so what did it cost him to share, to be part of this collective? Well, nothing. No, I mean, uh, you know, it's not the way things are done necessarily. Um, but, uh, ultimately it wasn't his decision to make, uh, and I want to shout out to one of our listeners, um, and, uh, specifically now I'm just, uh, I'm stunting here. Uh, what do we call this vamping while I find the email? Yeah. Um, this is from Amara. Hi Amara. Uh, who sent us not one, but two links to the conversation about profit sharing, Um, ultimately the cast, 22 members of the cast wrote a letter, not to Lynn, um, but to Jeffrey Sellers, who was the lead producer. Um, and we will provide a link because the entire letter is available, uh, through a, a Bloomberg link, which in turn Amara sent to us. Uh, but it reads in part, dear Jeffrey. We love you. We love Hamilton. 
the 1 million infinitesimal and distinctive decisions you've made in service of this property and its longevity in service of your audience and its experience are destined to be studied on the level of the material itself. Your work on this show is meticulous and impeccable, uh, dot, 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 because I'm cutting as I go here. At its very best, it is life-affirming, mind-expanding theater. And then it goes on to say, We are clear on this. We did not write the show. We didn't choreograph, direct, design, or produce it. We do, however, take great pride and comfort in the knowledge that our contribution was just as vital as the aforementioned in the creation of Hamilton, an American musical. That these performers, this is a multi-page letter signed by everybody we have mentioned who is not Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, in asking for profit sharing in having created uh, this show. But the last line is really amazing. After having gone on and said, this is all the work that we did, this is how important we think the show is, they echo what you just said, Elaine. They say, near the end of the letter, there are no losers in a decision like this. Please invest in us as we have invested in you. Please allow us and our families to enjoy the fruits of our labors as yours will. We are a part of you. We stand together. We stand with you and for you and for this glorious work. We are on standby. Um, We humbly ask for FaceTime or a written reply within seven business days to confirm that we have been heard. Um, This is an incredible piece of writing. And then the entire cast is listed. uh, The leads are listed in alphabetical order. And then uh, the ensemble is also listed in alphabetical order after that. This is spectacular. This is spectacular spectacular work, right? It's spectacular work. I'm I I don't want to take away from the courage it must have taken any time yeah, you band huh? together and you make a request like this. It's scary. Very um, scary. So I know I want, you know, I want to I want everybody to understand that like it's for the outsider who's reading this after the fact, your fist is up in the air, you're like, fuck yeah. In the moment, though, for the people involved, when they're drafting that letter, the moment they hit send, they're shitting themselves. You have to appreciate that. You have to know that because, as you mentioned, Duanna, it doesn't happen often. It is a scary thing to ask for, um, and you don't know what the reaction is. Obviously, the result ended up working for everyone because everybody appreciated that this is a win for everyone, but it's not always the case. People don't always get that. No, especially when they're trying to break new ground. Look, theater is not a moneymaker. It is for producers if they have a hit, but God knows even prolific producers have way more flops than hits. Um, And in fact, it's such a joke that that's what the producers, the entire plot of the musical, the producers is made on the fact that theater doesn't make money, right? So people in the theater, even you've heard this Emmy winning, Oscar winning people go to theater and they make, I don't know what scale is these days, but it's something like $450 a week to do theater uh, with the understanding that 
that also is massive privilege to be able to take that kind of a pay cut and take that job, right? But there's not a precedent for this kind of a thing because that's not how theater works. That's not how Broadway works. So that's right. So in the moment for them, it was terrifying. Um, they were trailblazing. They were setting new ground. And so it is easy. Again, I just want to repeat this for us to look at this as a success story. But in order for more success stories like this to happen, these are the people who had to take the risk and had to be afraid. It will be less terrifying for ensembles in the future to make this request because the Hamilton cast did this. They did that. But for them, it was monumentally petrifying. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because then the conversation becomes the Bloomberg article uh, includes a line about another cast wanted to have a similar conversation with their producers and ultimately they didn't get to the point of getting the production up. Um, and it is not something that I think people are going to give in on that easily. Um, and that's not fair. Your, your participation should be remunerated properly, regardless of how the project does. But let's be honest, these guys had a slam dunk because, uh, because of the massive success it always uh, it already was, that Hamilton already was. This was all happening before they went to Broadway. Um, and, uh, they, they had, they had a good leg to stand on. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yep. But you know what, what is the reward? You know, if you are the person making the decision, you get this letter again, now it seems like a no brainer at the moment for sure. It would have taken some consideration. There's risk involved, but then what you get is the 150% buy-in of all these people. They will show up for Hamilton when they are 60, 70, 80 years old. I just was at the junket, you know, it was the entire cast participating. You know, Thomas Kale wasn't there, but I mean, we know why. Literally, like a baby was just put into his arms. But everybody was there and nobody was like, oh, I have to talk about something that I was doing five years ago, which, you know what, in Hollywood and from Broadway is kind of the attitude you get sometimes. These people talked about it like it was yesterday, that this is the thing that they were about to premiere, that it was the day before opening night. The way that they talked about it, the enthusiasm, the life that they had for it, the energy that they had for it, I don't, and I've done a lot of junkets, as have you, Duanna, you don't often get this. On a Friday afternoon, let me tell you, it was like 6 p.m. Eastern. Right. And I do think that those all point back to the same thing. I think that points to they're excited for this. They're excited for people to find it. Look, let's not forget you and I are massively, massively privileged to have been able to see the show. I've seen it twice, mm -hmm. not with the original cast, but I saw it twice on Broadway. That is utterly, completely, uh, uh, like over the top privilege. And I know that, and I was spoiled and there's a lot of reasons why, and I'm very grateful, but this is so many millions of people were affected by this show and this music, which all these people, which the Christopher Jackson's and Philippa Sue's and David Diggs's helped to create, but they haven't been able to connect with those people. I mean, this is what's different too about theater people, right? 
theater is still the world where no matter how big you are, um, you're probably going to run into people at the stage door and you know that and you kind of like it. Um, there's not a huge world now people are going to email me, but there is a known thing of people leave a stage door. They sign some autographs because they know it's an emotional, dramatic experience for people, uh, as opposed to certain film actors. And it's less and less these days, but people who we've heard of going, eh, I don't really want to be recognized. I don't really want to talk to people. Um, that people in theater know this is an emotional experience, and now they finally get to have that experience sent to all the people who couldn't go to New York, who didn't get tickets, whose you know tickets were affected by COVID or by weather or whatever else. Like they, I, I believe, or I want to believe that it is a legitimate enthusiasm. Here's the other thing, though. Like, make no mistake, it also comes from being savvy business people, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. the Los Angeles Times asked Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, about this process, about the profit-sharing process. Uh, and they say, just before this was filmed, you helped make sure actors' contracts included profit-sharing and financial protections for whatever this footage would become. Why did you speak up? Um, and he replies, I'll say this, white supremacy is upheld by systems. And it seems like we're really understanding that for the first time in this country, along with the educational system, the medical system and the police departments, entertainment is one of those goddamn systems. We need to talk about racism and white supremacy in theater, and we need to talk about the money. This is about the economic ways that black people and people of color and women are remunerated for our contributions. What is our ongoing relationship to the companies and institutions we help build with our time and our talents? Everybody should be at that table in the same way that everybody was at that table to create it. Everybody needs to be a part of the feeding when the food's being doled out. Here's what I love about that. And he goes on to say, you know, you want to be an ally, make sure that black people and people of color and women are getting paid and that they'll be able to take money home to their families. It's not about revenge. It's about equality. But what I love about that, too, is that there is entertainment savvy in there. Right. What was the biggest story about Hamilton when it first came into your consciousness? The casting. Right. Specifically. Specifically that it was only people of color. Only people of color were being cast as the founding fathers of America, right? That all of these old white dudes were being played by people of color. And so that itself and those faces were the twist that made this show a genuine phenomenon. And so, you know, I don't know Jeffrey Sellers. I don't know how hard the fight was, but how can you say no to those people who you specifically hired to be the antithesis of the old white guy scenario um, to say, we're going to turn the whole thing on its ear and then go, oh, but no, but you're not worth the money, though, even though this is clearly a phenomenon that resonated with the country and the world. You have mm -hmm. to. 
So it's also, as much as I agree with you that they must have been terrified, nauseated, whoever pressed send was quaking, at the same time, it's also a pretty good calculated risk, right? It is. And yet, I think that generation upon generation of people will tell us that like doing the right thing and and you knowing that doing the right thing doesn't make it any easier. No, no, it doesn't make it any easier, but it makes it more right, I guess, is the thing. I think part of the reason that it is hard to break barriers sometimes is because people are in isolation, because they feel uh, gaslighted, because they feel like their contributions are minimized. Um, but the the sort of reason this was all able to come together was the combination of an ensemble cast, all of whom could say, yes, we've all been here from the beginning. Yes, we're all people of color. Yes, we all contributed and crafted and created this show. Because of course, like any Broadway show, lines are being corrected and changed and suggested on the fly uh, because they were part of creating the staging and the character and everything else. Um, that they had a they had a pretty good argument is all I'm saying. And look what happened. Sometimes <laughs> it it goes the way it's supposed to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and the you know, and it going the way it's supposed to is. I mean, as I spoke to a few of them, they were like, "Listen, we are under no illusion that Hamilton solved anything. It didn't." That's great. I mean, that's I'm glad that they that they phrased it that way. Yeah. Um having said that, they're an example. You know, it may be less scary and less daunting, maybe even by half a percent for the next time someone has to do the same thing that they they had got to write they, there's a roadmap at least for it. Yeah. Um, and if you need more of the roadmap, this Bloomberg article, I never think of Bloomberg as being juicy behind the scenes, uh, like deliciousness. But guys, this is a roller coaster ride. There's, uh, there were uh, counter offers. There were people saying, do not accept the counter offers. Uh, there was trying to divide and conquer. Uh, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, pour a glass of something and enjoy the narrative here. Like hats off to Bloomberg, which is not something I ever thought I'd I'd say. While you pour a glass and enjoy Hamilton on Disney Plus starting July 3rd. I mean, we talked about this before, so I don't want to go into it again. But I am still, we are, as of this recording, uh, literally four sleeps away, and I'm still not 100% sure how I'm going to do this for the first time. Like, you know, am I going to, like, watch people on Twitter react on the intermission? I know I'm going to have a proper 20-minute intermission, but then what? It feels wrong to go to the kitchen and get a snack. Then what? I asked them that, actually. That was one of my questions. Like, you know, because, and we talked about this before, I was like, 
you know, when we watch at home, you can pause essentially at any time. And they were a little bit split. Some of them were like purists. They were like, no, 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 don't get up out of your seat and do not hit pause until you have a built-in intermission. It is there for you. Others were like, listen, you enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. It's yours. Yeah. And look, I don't always consult you on parenting decisions in my life, but this is a big thing for me um, to mm-hmm. obviously my child has been uh, inducted six ways to Sunday already, but indoctrinated is probably a better word. Uh, bo- yeah, both apply. <laughs> but, you know, what do you do? Do you show certain he's only little? So is it certain numbers? Uh, you know, it would be a long seat for him to be in the theater and he doesn't have all the context. I know your kid. I think your kid can make it on the TV for two and a half hours. He might, but he also might be inclined at home in a way that he wouldn't uh, in the middle of New York to get up and start dancing or like making up his own lyrics. And we're not there yet, kid. Um, (laughs) So these are serious considerations. Anyway, that is your Hamilton primer. Uh, if you didn't already know, when you're watching this weekend, keep in mind what happened behind the scenes, you know, before it became the thing that we know it to be now. This is the courage that the people who made this show had to make the show. Um, and this is why it's so special. Yeah. And that it allowed for all the people to shine, that there are so many names we know besides uh, that book lover, Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) So uh, until next week, something we want to ask of you, we have banked a really, really great uh, email from somebody who needs advice about their work. So we want to make next week's episode uh, about you and the advice that you need, specific questions that you have in your workspace, especially now, that you would like us to weigh in on. Send it to us at duanna at laneygossip.com, at laney at laneygossip.com. We want to make next week's episode about you and us answering your work advice questions. Obviously, we've been talking in the past few weeks about the socio-political issues that are going on. Send us your questions about how to be actively anti-racist at work, but also send us your questions about they just passed me over for the second time. Send us all the things, uh, COVID or not, uh, related to Black Lives Matter or not. We want to hear all of them. And yes, this is an excuse for me to uh, audio play as Sasha uh, from the What's Your Drama podcast. Wait till you guys hear uh, the, the rhythms I've worked out. Until then, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Send us your notes. Send us your comments. Send us, again, your advice questions. And leave comments and reviews. We really appreciate it. And it helps other people find our podcast. And uh, you should know that it helps us too. We have so many amazing emails, but uh, in particular, Leslie, Sandy, thank you for the emails that you've sent recently. Thank you. Work hard, show your work. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.